Greetings and welcome to the Geek Pod. Today we're talking about feed lines. If you're new to the radio hobby, you've probably heard the term feed line. What is it? Well, a feed line is the cable that connects your radio to your antenna. That's it. It's just a cable that runs from your radio to the antenna. Now, if you have some accessories on your station, like let's say from your radio you go to a meter and then you go to the antenna, or maybe you go from the radio to an amplifier, to a meter, and then to the antenna, you're going to have some pieces of cable that connect those devices together, and it may very well be the same type of cable that you use for your feed line, but it doesn't necessarily have to be so. Now, there's three types of feed lines. Coax, balance line, and waveguide. Waveguide is nothing more than a pipe for a radio signal. It, r it really is. It's nothing more than a pipe for a radio signal. It's primarily used on microwave frequencies. Most people never, ever have a need to mess with that. Something you might see on a commercial installation for microwave links or something of that sort. The two that you might see is coax and balance line. Coax is very common. Balance line, not so much. So first we're going to talk about coax. Coax is like the stuff that the cable TV installer puts in your house. If you've ever paid attention when a cable TV guy goes and runs a cable around the house to all the different TVs, that's coax. It's generally a round type of cable, and if you look at it, if you look at the end of it, when it's been cut, you'll see that there's a center pin of some kind, a center conductor. There'll be some insulation around it, and then there might be some braid and some foil, and then an outer cover. Most of it's built the same way, a little different here and there, but the idea is the same where you have a center pin insulation, some kind of braid, and an outer covering. Now, the advantage is to coax. It doesn't really care what you run it next to. You could lay it on top of your air conditioning unit. You could run it along the flashing of the roof. You could throw it across a metal roof. It doesn't really care. It's pretty oblivious to those things. It's rugged. It can put up with abuse. It's easy to handle. It's easy to run. Coax in general is easy to work with. Some easier than others. But overall, it's pretty easy to work with. You don't have to worry too much about where you're running it, what you're running it next to. For amateur radio, GMRS, CB use, the coaxial cables you're going to see are going to be some stuff that's as thin as spaghetti, stuff that's about a quarter inch in size, there's half inch, and about five-eighths in size. And I'm referring to the thickness of the cable. There are much bigger ones. There is coax that is three, four inches thick. But that's something you would see at a commercial broadcast station, for example. You're not going to see that used in the amateur radio world unless somebody got lucky and scored some real high-end cable very cheap. Most of the time, what you're going to see used by ham, CBers, GMRS folks, uh, small commercial installations, is going to be something like a half-inch cable. Now, coax itself, the outer covering, most of the time it's black. If it's something for marine applications, it might have a white outer jacket. But there is also some stuff called direct burial that lets you bury it in the ground without the need of conduit. 
And there's also what is called plenum grade. Whenever you have an office setting where there is a drop ceiling, an air return ceiling, which means that there are air vents uh, located in the drop ceiling that are used for the pickup of hot air back into the AC system, you have to run a special type of cable called plenum cable. It's a fire retardant cable. Just keep that in mind if you have to run your cable through an office or something like that through the drop ceiling. You're supposed to use a special cable up there. But by and large, most of us are going to use regular old black jacketed cable. Now some of the things to look for when you're buying coax. First off, the percentage of shielding. What they're talking about is, on a coaxial cable you have a center conductor, which is really what's carrying your signal, and you have a, a layer of insulation and then you have a braid and or some kind of foil. There is a certain level of rejection to interference that you're going to get out of that cable based on the way it's made. So you want the highest shielding percentage which means that that layer of foil and braid is doing the most it can to keep interference from getting into the cable. You want the highest shielding percentage that you can get when you're looking at the specs to buy cable. Something else to look for. Inside that coaxial cable you have the center conductor. That center conductor has a layer of insulation around it, a dielectric. That insulation could be foam, it could be Teflon, it could be a plastic insulation. What you want, the plastic or the Teflon, you don't want the foam. Stay away from cables that use foam insulation for the center conductor. The reason is, A, the foam tends to absorb moisture over time. Over time, not immediately, over time. This is why you want to be leery of free coax cable especially if it says foam on the side of it, you want to stay away from that. The other problem with the foam is that when you bend coax, there are different amounts of stress on the different parts inside the cable. And what ends up happening is the center conductor actually moves a little bit inside that foam because there's extra stress on it. And its distance to the braid, to the shield, can change minutely. But it's just enough to cause a problem where it'll affect your SWR. So you want to stay away from the foam dielectric cable. It's Unless you get it for free, stay away from it. it. It's not a good choice. Now there's some cable that has a plastic type of dielectric inside. That's the one you want. That stuff is, is very strong. It doesn't absorb moisture. It keeps that center conductor lines up perfect. That's what you want. Now, if your cost is no object, and you're going to be running a lot of power, then you want cable with Teflon insulation. But now we're talking some real high-end stuff. Moving on, let's talk about the center conductor. So your center conductor can be copper, which is the most common. It'll be solid copper or stranded. It could be silver-plated copper, or it could be copper-coated aluminum. Now, this copper-coated aluminum thing has gotten real popular lately uh, because it's cheap. It's not necessarily better. It's not better at all. It's cheap. So, they've been selling a lot of it. 
Ideally, you want the copper or you want silver-plated copper. Silver-plated copper is high-dollar stuff. We're talking military or space-grade cable. And that's also the one that might have the Teflon insulation. But sometimes you find that stuff on the used market. And if you do find it on the used market, it's worth grabbing. Because it is some nice stuff to work with. However, for the average Joe, we're going to end up getting solid copper or stranded copper cable. Now, where are you going to find the aluminum with the copper coating? Uh, some of the new Chinese stuff, that's what it has in it. Uh, particularly uh, like the off-brand LMR400. That is a cable designation that's gotten very popular lately. LMR400 for VHF and UHF amateur radio use, for GMRS use. It's gotten very popular. And that tends to have that copper-coated aluminum center conductor, which works. It does work. But you got to be extra careful with the assembly of the connectors. Now let's move on. The power rating. Coaxial cable has power limitations. And those limitations are going to be given to you on the spec sheet for the cable. It's going to be on there. Now, how do I find a spec sheet? Well, when you're looking to buy antenna cable, chances are it's going to be one of two designations. It's going to be something that starts with the letters RG, or it's going to be something that starts with the letters LMR. So to give you some examples, RG8, that was a very, very popular cable for CB ears and ham radio HF stations and stuff like that for a great many years. RG213, very similar to RG8, but more of a military grade. RG58, that's a very thin cable used for like car installs, uh, short distances where you needed something flexible, but now people are using RG8X instead of that, which is a tiny bit thicker, but much better quality. And one of the more common cables you see out there right now is LMR400. LMR400 is a half-inch type cable that's become very popular with ham radio operators for VHF and UHF with small commercial installations so forth. Now a lot of the LMR400 that you get from the Chinese manufacturers will have copper-coated aluminum center conductors. But it is still a, a decent cable if you put the connectors on correctly. Now all of these cables have power limitations. And you could find out what the power limitation is by looking up the specification. Like if you type in specs for RG58, it's going to give you the power limitations and it's also going to tell you what the cable loss is. And these things are going to be affected by the distance and by frequency. So the lower the frequency, the less loss you have in the cable. The higher the frequency, the more losses you can have. The power handling capability can also be affected by frequency. And of course, the longer the cable, the more loss you have. So depending on what you're doing, if you're going to be operating, let's say, on the CB band, you don't have a lot of loss with a cable like RG213 for 100 feet. But if you try to use RG213, 100 feet of it, for GMRS, you're going to lose a lot of your signal. And that's why you want to look at LMR400, for example. 
All the specifications for the cables will be published. Now, looking a little bit further into the coax cables, you have hardline, you have semi-rigid, and you have flexible. Flexible is the stuff that's easy to run, like inside of a car, it's easy to bend, it's floppy, for lack of a better word. So that would be like your RG8X, for example, uh, RG58. They're, they're cables that are very supple, easy to bend around corners, they're great for doing car installs. Your semi-rigid, that would be something like 9913, uh, LMR400. They bend, but whatever shape you bend them in, they stay in that shape, and you can't do any tight turns on them. And finally, you have hardline. Hardline's that big 3-inch, 4-inch stuff that I had mentioned earlier, which is basically a copper pipe with insulation wrapped by another copper pipe. That's what the stuff looks like when you cut it up. It requires very expensive large connectors. It's very low loss cable, can handle incredible amounts of power, but it's expensive to buy new and the connectors are very expensive. So unless you come across some of that stuff uh, for free or darn near it, uh, chances are you're not going to be using that on, on your ham station or anything like that. Most of us are running cables like 213, 9913, LMR400. There's an LMR600, which is a 5 8 thickness cable. It has a little bit less loss. It can handle a little bit more power. Just look at the specifications. That's what they're there for. Now, what about brands? Uh, some of the common brands, uh, Andrews, Belden, if... You want to deal with smaller companies. There's a company called Nemal, N-E-M-A-L. Now, there's plenty of knockoff stuff coming out of China and so forth. Uh, be careful with it. Some of it is okay, some is not. So be careful with it. Now, from here, let's move on. Enough about coax. Let's talk about balance line. Balance line is two conductors... Two pieces of wire separated by plastic and those two pieces of wire are the same size that's why they call it balanced in coaxial cable you have a center conductor and you have an outer braid and maybe some uh, maybe some foil as well there's more surface area to the braid and to the foil than there is to the center conductor so it's an unbalanced cable balance line both conductors are the same size same type so this cable works really well as far as keeping down noise and so forth it's a very quiet cable it's used a lot by people who do HF uh, shortwave listening long wave stuff of that nature you wouldn't use it for VHF or UHF the problem with it is it's very sensitive to running it next to anything metal you can't droop it over your air conditioner. You can't droop it over the shed. You can't run it along the roof next to the flashing because it'll detune everything. So it's difficult to work with, but it works really well as a cable, and it's cheap. Problem is, getting it from your radio to the antenna without running next to anything metal is kind of difficult. So most people stay away from balance line. It's a little hard to implement. 
the majority of your ham radio guys, your CBers, your GMRS folks, your commercial radio installations are all going to be using coax. Now your balance line comes in two different types, 300 ohm and 450 ohm, just in case you're curious about and you want to use it. 300 ohm is what's on a pair of rabbit ear antennas for an old TV. That flat ribbon that would come off those old TV antennas, that's 300 ohm. The 450 ohm has a bigger space. It's a little bit fatter. It's a little bit heftier made. Some, some of it has holes cut out in the plastic. It looks like little letter H's. It's overall larger. The hams tend to use 450 ohm, if they use it at all. Now, you can use this stuff to make antennas. There's some wire J-pole antennas that could be made from the 300 ohm stuff. But that's a totally different topic. At that point, you're not using it as a feed line. You're making it into an antenna. Now, I've thrown some numbers at you. This whole 300 and 450 ohm stuff, what the heck is he talking about? That's impedance. Impedance is a way that they measure the restriction to the flow of an AC current. What does that matter? How do, what do I care? Okay, well, without getting into the whole engineering thing, let's put all that aside and let me tell you why it matters. All right, forget the, the balance line. Let's go back to coax. Coaxial cable typically comes in two different impedance grades. You got 50 ohm and you got 75 ohm. Some really old stuff might be labeled 52 and 72. The modern stuff, 50 and 75. What they're talking about. They're talking about the way that cable is going to match to whatever's on the end. In the ham radio world, if an antenna has a connector for coax, that antenna is going to present a 50 ohm load to the radio. The radios are engineered for a 50 ohm load. So you need the cable that connects the two to keep everything consistent all the way across so the radio sees a 50 ohm load at the end. If it's got a coaxial connector on it, if it's a piece of ham radio equipment, GMRS equipment, CB equipment, and it's got a coaxial connector on it, uh, whether it's a PL259 or an SO239, a BNC, an SMA, it doesn't matter what kind of connector it is. If it's a coaxial connector and it's in the ham radio, GMRS, CB world, it's going to be 50 ohm. So let me explain this impedance thing in a way that will hopefully help you understand it because it's a difficult concept to understand. Even when you know a bit about electricity, trying to explain cable impedance is just mind-numbing. So... Here's one way to look at it. Let's say I have a water pipe. That water pipe connects from my house to a pump. So I need to get the water from the pump to the house. I have 100 feet of 4-inch water pipe. When a pump is running, that water is going to go through that pipe real smooth because it's one continuous size all the way over. Now let's say something happens and I have to fix the pipe. And the only thing I got is 8-inch. So now I got 100 feet of 4-inch pipe, but it's been broken in the middle. So it's no longer 100 feet. Now I got like this 5-foot section in there of 8-inch pipe. So the 4-inch pipe 
feeds into a piece of 8-inch pipe and then goes back down to a 4-inch pipe. Is the water still going to flow? Yes. Is the water still going to get from the pump to the house? Yes. But when that whole thing is running, if you put your ear up to the pipe, you're probably going to hear some churning of the water. You're going to hear some disturbance. If you're actually able to see inside the pipe and see the water, you'll probably see a disturbance in the flow of the water. It's still getting from point A to point B, but there's a disturbance in there, and it's caused because you have two different sizes of pipe in that line. Okay, think of your feed line the same way. You want the feed line to be a smooth shot from the radio to the antenna. If the feed line isn't matched, then think of it like a disturbance in that pipe. Well, you have a disturbance in the feed line, So there's going to be some kind of disruption to the flow of the signal from the radio to the antenna. That's why it's important to match everything, same impedance. So your radio is going to be 50 ohms. Your feed line, your coax more than likely, needs to be 50 ohm. So it can connect to your 50 ohm antenna. You need to match it all. Okay, what about uh, cable TV coax? Oh, you know, I know this guy that knows this guy, and they had like this extra spool of this really thick cable TV coax, and he told me they were going to throw it away, and I can have it, and this stuff is awesome. Okay, first of all, the stuff that the cable TV company pulls up on a poles is the cheapest that they can get for the purpose, so it's aluminum. Not even copper-plated, just aluminum center conductor, foam and aluminum outer shield instead of being a braid or being a foil it's think of it like a thin aluminum pipe it's a hard line it's 75 ohms so even though the stuff is big and impressive it requires special connectors special tools and at the end of the day it's 75 ohm if you use 75 ohm cable On a station that is 50 ohm, will it work? Yes. Is it the best? No. What's going to end up happening is if your antenna is a perfect perfect match for your radio, you're still going to end up with loss because you have a mismatch cable to antenna situation. So, yes, it'll work, but you're going to have some loss and you're going to spend a lot of Uh, money to get those special connectors and everything else you're better off just buying the right stuff which would be 50 ohm cable i hope you guys found this geek pod to be worthwhile hope you enjoyed it and until next time